ಶ್ರೀಗಣೇಶಾ ನಮ ಸರಸ್ವತಿಯ ನಮ ಗುರುಭ್ಯೋ ನಮಃ ಹೆಲೋ ಲಿಸನರ್ಸ್ ದಿಸ್ ಈಸ್ ರವಿ ರಂಗನಾಥನ್ ವೆಲ್ಕಮಿಂಗ್ ಯು ಟು ದ ಸಿಕ್ಸ್ಟಿ ಸೆವೆಂತ್ ಎಪಿಸೋಡ್ ಆಫ್ ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತಾ ಯಹಾ ಪಶ್ಯತಿ ಸ ಪಶ್ಯತಿ ಲಾಸ್ಟ್ ಎಪಿಸೋಡ್ ಸಾ ದ ಇಂಟ್ರೊಡಕ್ಷನ್ ಟು ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಫಿಫ್ಟೀನ್ ಟೈಟಲ್ಡ್ ಪುರುಷೋತ್ತಮ ಯೋಗ ಅಂಡ್ ಆನ್ ಅಪ್ಸೈಡ್ ಡೌನ್ ಟ್ರೀ ರೆಪ್ರೆಸೆಂಟಿಂಗ್ ಸಂಸಾರ ದಿ ಎಪಿಸೋಡ್ ಎಂಡೆಡ್ ವಿತ್ ದ ಕ್ವಶನ್ ಹೌ ಡು ವಿ ಕಟ್ ದಿಸ್ ಟ್ರೀ ಆಫ್ ಸಂಸಾರ ನ ರೂಪಮಸ್ಯೇಗತೋಪಲಭ್ಯತೆ ನಾಂತೋ ನ ಚಾದೀರ್ಣ ಚ ಸಂಪ್ರತಿಷ್ಠಾಂ ಅಶ್ವತ್ಥಮೇನಂ ಸುವಿರೂಢಮೂಲ ಅಶಂಕಸ್ತ್ರೇಣ ದೃಢೇನ ಚಿತ್ವಾಂ ಇಲ್ಲೈ ರೂಪಮಿದರ್ಕು ಇಂಗೇ ಅಪ್ಪಡಿಯೇ ಉಣರ್ಂದು ಇಲ್ಲೈ ಮುಡಿವಿಲ್ಲೈ ತೊಡಕ್ಕಮಿಲ್ಲೈ ಕಡೈಕಾಲ್ ಅರಸಮರಂ ಇಂದ ಮಿಗ ಉರುದಿಯಾನ ವೇರ್ ಪಟ್ಟ್ರು ಎನಂ ಕೋಡಾರಿಯಾಲ್ ವಲುವಾಗ ಬೆಟ್ಟಿ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ಫಾರ್ಮ್ ಈಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಪರ್ಸೀವ್ಡ್ ಆಸ್ ಸಚ್ neither its end nor its foundation or resting place having been cut asunder this firm rooted ashwatha tree with the strong axe of non attachment we cannot perceive the foundation the beginning or the end of this firmly rooted samsara our vasanas are so deep there is no shortage for desires and ragadvesha likes and dislikes because of that the samsara the cycles of birth and death is very deep rooted though it is described as an upside down tree when you enquire into its reality there is nothing like that there on enquiring the truth about the form will disappear we see the sun rising and setting we see the moon waxing and waning but in fact they are really not at a subatomic level the wave is seen as a particle when observed cannot explain why it is behaving like that the inherent color of a green leaf is not green at all in fact that leaf is rejecting the green color what we observe is not what it really is the whole world is only a relative reality in the same way as long as we identify with our body mind intellect ego then everything looks so real and we suffer but if we change that view that perception then life is experienced completely differently one with happiness only what came first chicken or egg has been solved in material world but in samsara we cannot explain which came first karma our past vasanas or janma the birth of a being we are not able to explain the creation in the sense that we are not able to perceive its beginning nor its end nor are we able to perceive the supporting structure of the entire universe scientists say the universe is expanding what is beyond the universe for it to expand if it is space then where is the end of that space if it started with the big bang then what was there before it started the big bang we are not able to go beyond a certain point many theories have been proposed but nothing seems to convince all scientists more they find the more they have to find the universe is not stable at all because it is constantly changing scientists are probing the secrets of the universe the cosmology studies have gone 13.7 billions of light years back into the past and yet the scientists are stumped and confused by what they see and are rushing back to the drawing boards after scoring a goal 
a player kneels down looks up and says thank you god in the northern hemisphere he looks up to the northern sky in the southern hemisphere the same player will be looking into the southern sky so where is this god sitting in his throne in the northern sky or in the southern sky we cannot perceive that bhavan if this samsara has no end then why bother with all the efforts of karma yoga karma sanyasa yoga jnana karma sanyasa yoga dhyana yoga bhakti yoga of course there is an end to the individual samsara through knowledge and contemplation but there is no end to the cycle of creation and dissolution itself if that is the case then how can an individual cut his or her samsara tree asanga sastrena dridena chitva with the acts of non attachment cut as under firmly with the weapon of dispassion to the world of objects one can cut down this tree of samsara astram or the weapons that leave your hand towards the target like missiles bullets arrows etc sastram or weapons that are held in hand while fighting like an axe knife stick etc why use a weapon like an axe and not a bullet normally to cut a tree you use an axe when you use a weapon it is preferable that it does the job and still stays with you to use again in the future handheld weapons like an axe does that in the same way dispassion should be used to cut attachments and then remain with you so as not to allow new attachments it should not be a short lived dispassion due to grief sadness or ignorance cut it down completely based on the knowledge of atma vidya and brahma vidya seeing the defects produced by the interaction of the gunas of the body mind with the gunas of the world of objects understand the difference between atma and anatma between sat and asat between purusha and prakriti and develop vairagya developing dispassion for only this or that object is not enough you should not pick and choose what object you will have dispassion developing dispassion only for objects that one does not like has no meaning it is like people who go to varanasi taking a vow not to use ever a particular vegetable that they don't like that is not vairagya in summary the first three verses described the samsara through an upside down ashvatha tree and advised us to have vairagya dispassion to cut this tree of samsara this tree is a combination of matter and energy this tree has branches growing in all directions nourished by the gunas sense objects are cropping up everywhere like the birds but when you inquire deeply into its reality you will come up with the empty handed because such an upside down tree really does not exist in the world its form is not perceived as such for it has no beginning no end and no foundation still this tree has struck its roots deeply here in the form of samsara you have to cut this with the weapon of non attachment those who know this understand the essence of vedas on one hand our life and the world around us is constantly changing and on the other hand it is also persisting through samsara all of us want to put an end to the sorrows but samsara is so overwhelming and we feel it will never end this samsara tree may look like a topsy turvy tree and may be avyayam imperishable yet this tree can be cut down with the axe of dispassion have dispassion 
discrimination and determination. A people tree by itself is not eternal, but the samsara of jivatmas will be eternal if one does not move towards liberation. One should inquire, investigate the nature of its truth. One should inquire from where all these things have emerged. That inquiry will lead one to that ancient being called Urdhamolam, from whom everything came out. Having known the truth, people do not come back to the samsara. Until you cut down the samsara, serve like a tree without discrimination for the welfare of the world. A small tidbit. It is said that in Sri Lanka, there is a people tree that was planted around the year 300 before the current era and is still alive. Next, we move to segment 2 where Bhagavan suggests an interesting goal that all of us have and also shows the way to achieve that goal and explains where and explains where that goal will take us. Tadapadam tatpari margitavyam asmin gatana nivartandi boyaham tameva chadyam purusham prabatyam yada pravarti prasata puranim Pirahu and the Yelaku Vendi, Yengus and Ral Thirumba Matar Mindum Adileum Adiana Purusham, Tanjam Adindum Yedilirindu Paraya, Sayalatral Velierina. After that, the goal should be sought for, where having gone, none returns again. Seek refuge in that primeval Purusham from which streamed forth the ancient activity. In the material world, we have so many short-term, medium-term and long-term goals. I need to finish the office work by the end of the week. I want to go on a vacation by next summer. I want to retire at the age of 50 are all worldly goals. For Bhagavan, all these goals are of no interest. The goal one should seek is to go to the place from where one does not return to take another birth. We keep returning to live in a different name and form. In chapter 2, while explaining our real nature, Bhagavan said that, like throwing out our unusable clothes and wearing new clothes, we move from one body to another. Every birth, we have a different body and different name. The goal is to go beyond these names and forms of samsara. The goal is to seek that changeless Sat, truth. Once I know I am that changeless eternal Sat, then there will be no more interest in the changing samsara. We plan a lot and go for vacations. However much the places are attractive and compelling, sooner or later the mind wants to return back to our own home, however small or uncomfortable it is. That is where our real freedom is. In the same way, Sanatana Dharma recommends that we all seek our original home. It is a place from which we will not come back. Verse 3 demanded non-attachment to objects and people. But to cut the tree of samsara, that is not enough. Our mind is so fickle that if there is no higher purpose, then this non-attachment will fizzle out soon. There has to be a higher goal. Set this higher goal and work towards it with dispassion. The short-term goal is to acquire the knowledge of self through viveka and then have vairagya to travel the journey to the final destination. What is so special about this primeval purusha? The primeval purusha is the original beginning state. Everything streamed out of this adhyam purusham, the original purusha, adi purusha. It is our original root. It is our source itself. All modifications and activities came out of this purusha. 
Nowadays, we have so many streaming sites. They all come and go. But the original streaming service that was started by Adi Purusha billions and billions of years ago is still running. There is never an end to this streaming service. The only way to unsubscribe from this streaming service is to attain moksha. At an individual level, all our thoughts are streaming from the source I. The thoughts take a pause only during the deep sleep. We have to seek that original I, which is our inner self, Brahman. Bhagavan, what are the qualifications needed to reach that supreme goal? Also, is that goal a place or an object or something else? Nirmana moha jita sangha doshaham Adhyatmanitya vinivritta kamaham Dvanvair vimukta suga dukkha sannaihim Gachantya muda padamavyayam tathum Garva moham indri Patrenum thingai vetri adayindu Atma vil endrum vasithu Asegal muldum vilakki Suga dukkham pondra irandil vidubatum Mohamatravar endrumulla and the Aryanilai server Free from pride and delusion, victorious over the evil of attachment, dwelling constantly in the self, their desires having completely retired, freed from the pairs of opposites such as pleasure and pain, the undeluded reach that imperishable goal. The goal is that Urdhva Moolam, Brahman, pointed out in the very first verse of this chapter. It is our root, the source. And the undeluded wise people reach that imperishable, indestructible, eternal abode. How the wise reached that highest abode is by following a five-step process. First, Dvandvai Vimuktaha, freed from pairs of opposites by following Karma Yoga. Second, Vinivritta Kamaha, desires are completely gone. Third, Nirmana Moha, freed of pride and delusion and follow Karma Sanyasa Yoga. Fourth, Jita Sangha Doshaha, victorious over evil of attachment, become pure-minded and sinless. Fifth, Adhyatma Nitya, dwelling constantly in the self, remain in Dhyana Yoga and Jnana Yoga. Let us dwell a little bit on these five qualifications. See the consistency in Bhagavad Gita teaching. We have reached chapter 15. And Bhagavan has not forgotten the practical methods he gave in the first six chapters which focused on the ways to realize our inner self. First, Dvandair Vimuktaha Suga Dukkha Sannayir Liberated from the pairs of opposites such as pleasure and pain. Liberated from opposites like gain and loss, success and failure, honor and dishonor, punyam and papam, likes and dislikes, good and bad, etc. For most of us, when one side of the pair of opposites goes up or down, the other side of that same pair goes down or up. When honor goes down, it is considered dishonor. When the loss goes down, it is considered as gain. When good goes down, there is rise of evil. These pairs operate in sync. We go beyond the pairs of opposites by starting to treat the result of our actions with equanimity. For that, start with Karma Yoga. Second is Vinivritta Kamaha, those who are totally free from all desires. Absolutely no desires. Zero, zilch, nara desires. No desire for external beings. 
no desire even for self-realization. There is no thought other than being steadfast in the knowledge of the self. When Buddha dropped his last desire which was to attain enlightenment, he got enlightened. When we start following Karma Yoga, we will start seeing our desires also reduce in our mind. Third is Nirmana Moha, free from arrogance, self-boasting and delusion. Mana means measurement of ourself. We measure ourself always high. It is pride. It is arrogance. Apamana is lessening one's mana. Nirmana is free from mana. That is not having that high attitude about ourselves. It is free from arrogance. It is having humility. The biggest pride we have is defining ourselves based on our body, emotions, intellect, possessions and achievements and the consequence is we ourselves are putting hurdles on the path of self-realization. In chapter 6, Bhagavan said, Your mind is your friend and your mind is your enemy. But we make our mind an enemy easily. We need to drop this pride and arrogance to recognize our own true inner self. Become a nobody and realize we are that supreme body. Worse than having a high opinion about ourselves is having the wrong idea of who we really are. It is thanks to moha. Moha is a lack of discrimination, being delusional. It is a confusion, a false notion about our own true nature. It is seeking things that cannot give permanent happiness and complete ourselves. In Nirmoha, there is clear objectivity. Rational intellect takes control and does not allow emotions to run riot. Thus, Nirmana Moha is dropping all our current ideas about who we think we are. Keeping aside the emotional mind, allowing rational intellect to work without any bias to realize our own true nature. In the beginning of chapter 11, Arjuna said, Through your grace, my delusion is destroyed. That is, we need Bhagavan's grace to destroy our delusions. How do we attain Nirmana Moha state? By getting the self-knowledge and through dispassion, following the teaching and dropping the idea of I and mine. This is Jnana Karma Sanyasa Yoga and Karma Sanyasa Yoga. Fourth is Jita Sangha Doshaha, victorious over the defects of groups. No likes and dislikes to groups means no attachment to anything. Non-attachment frees us from desires for sense objects, pleasures and comforts and dependency on them to be happy. We free ourselves from these desires that are not helpful in realizing our own inner self. Society portrays attachment as love. Thinking we have a love for the bird, we put it in a cage and feed it through the bars of the cage. This is attachment and not love. Attachment itself is an evil. Other evils emanate from that attachment. Attachment leads to dependency and dependency brings sorrow not only to yourself but also to others. If one does not get what they are attached to, it brings anger and sorrow. One may lose what they are attached to and this also brings anger and sorrow. We forget that inert objects do not have any attachment to us but we have attachment to them. Fifth is Adhyatma Nityaha, ever steadfast in spiritual knowledge. It is study, 
enquiry and contemplation about our own inner self. One must be thinking about and working towards self-realization 24-7. This is Jnana Yajna. The three steps to this are Shravanam, Mananam, Nididhyasanam. Shravanam is listening to gurus to get an idea of what this knowledge is. Mananam is churning this knowledge in your own rational intellect and getting the butter of clarity out of that churning. Nididhyasanam is using the clarity to drop all other thoughts and leave the inner Atma shining brightly. This undeluded person reaches that imperishable goal set out in the previous verse. It is reaching Padam Abhyayam, a place where, having gone, none returns again to take another birth. Aha! That place looks interesting. What is in that place? Nadadbhashayate Suryaha Nashashankona Pavakaha Yadgatvana Nivartandem Taptama Paramamama Illai Adai Olimayamakum Suryanum Chandiranum Nirpum Yadai Adaindal Tirpam Illai Andaidam Miha Uyarndadi Yanadum Nor does the sun shine there, nor the moon, nor fire. To which having gone, they return not. That is my supreme abode. It is a place that cannot be illuminated by sun and moon and fire. Hmm. Bhagavan's abode sounds like a very deep, dark pit. Once you fall into the darkness, we cannot return back. Is that what he is saying? Is Bhagavan asking us to go to a place that is dark and cold? In chapter 11, Sanjaya who was observing the cosmic form said that if the splendor of a thousand suns were to blaze out at once in the sky, that would be like the splendor of that mighty being. Arjuna in his turn said that the sun and the moon being your eyes, the burning fire your mouth, heating the whole universe with your radiance. Acknowledging those statements, Bhagavan says, the brightness of my abode is equivalent to the brightness of thousands of self-illuminating suns. Because of that, the illumination of one sun and one moon itself becomes dull. My abode is self-shining and it does not need the help of a sun or a moon or a fire. Bhagavan himself is the light in the sun and the moon and the fire. In chapter 7 he said, Prabhashmi Shashi Surya Yogam I am the light in the moon and the sun. Tejas Chasmi Vibhavaso. I am the brilliance in the fire. And in chapter 10 said, Jyotisham Ravi Ramsuman. Among the luminous objects, I am the radiant sun. So, there is no other outside object that can illuminate Bhagavan. There is no outside light needed for any of us to know that we exist. Do you have a doubt about who you are in darkness? Not only do I recognize myself in light, but I recognize myself in darkness too. Even the sun rays cannot recognize darkness. I, the Urdhva Molam, the consciousness, is the only one who is recognizing the light and darkness. The light rays falling on objects and reaching the eyes illuminates objects. Mind illuminates the eyes. Intellect illuminates the mind. Consciousness illuminates the intellect. Just the presence of light is not enough to see an object. A blind person cannot see the object. 
in spite of having a bright light on the object. An inattentive mind cannot recognize the object. The presence of consciousness is needed to recognize objects. The inner self is not illumined by our senses, nor the inner instruments, nor the organs of action. It is the other way. Once we reach the destination, then we do not return because we become one with the Supreme Purusha. There is no more separation of God and us. We do not return to our old way of life. Please note that having gone there does not mean you have to go to another place. That is a Dvaitic idea. In Advaita, it means when you come to realize your inner self, then you do not come back to the state of ignorance. You go from a state of ignorance to a state of realization. That Urdhamulam, which in the previous verse was called Tat Avvayam Padam, is his supreme abode. Recall chapter 8, where Bhagavan said that, Know that state, which is called the unmanifest and the imperishable, to be the ultimate goal of all. That is my supreme abode. Attaining that, a person is not reborn. Here, Bhagavan is explaining Brahman as that eternal abode. Bhagavan, if a person who goes to your abode is not coming back, then what happens to the person who reaches your abode? To find answers to this question, we move to segment 3 covering verses 7 through 11. Mamai Vamsho Jeeva Loke Jeeva Bhutas Sanatanaha Manashashtan Indriyani Praktristani Kashati Yen Amsam Jeevarhal Ulahil Jeevanahi Yendrum Manamudan Arahi Pulangal Prakritil Yukum The individual in the body of living beings is an integral part of this universal consciousness. The individual associates with the six sensory faculties of perception including the mind and pulls from Prakriti. The first line is by itself complete and the second line connects with the next verse. This verse gives a strong basis for Visishtadvaita. Jivas are only part of Narayana and not Narayana himself is their idea. From an Advaitic point of view, the pure consciousness, the Supreme God, is the same consciousness in all beings. The Jivatmas are not different from Brahman, the pure consciousness. From Visishtadvaita point of view, an integral portion of the Supreme Self Narayana is the eternal Jivatma, the individual Atma in Samsara. He manifests himself in everyone as the doer and enjoyer. Jivatma is the consciousness, I, that identifies with the body Prakriti. Since Jivatma is my Amsam, they are eternal. This was the first teaching in chapter 2. We are all eternal. Weapons cannot cut it. Water cannot wet it. Fire cannot burn it. Wind cannot dry it. This should also remind the teaching in chapter 10, where Bhagavan said, Aham Atma Gudakesha Sarva Bhutasya Sthitaha I am the Self residing in every being. If Paramatma is pure existence, consciousness, infinite ananda, how can there be part of it? Parts are possible only if the whole can be cut into pieces or the whole is assembled with different parts. Anything that is made of parts is subject to destruction. If all parts are removed, 
then nothing will be left so it cannot be part in the sense of a subset of the whole they are part of me even when they are jivatmas not after they attain liberation it is due to ajnana ignorance that the jivatma thinks that it is bound and limited the jivatmas are living beings they are alive and have an identity it could be a mosquito or a human being they are conscious of themselves they experience the world jivatma can live in any one of the 14 worlds having taken a body the embodied person lives in one of these 14 worlds but what is the difference between us and the supreme ishwara that is for the next episode until that time this is ravi ranganathan bidding goodbye bhagavad gita yah pashyati sapashyati yah pashyati sapashyati yah pashyati sapashyati yah pashyati sapashyati oh